It's uh, my custom around here to give birthday cards. And uh, so every child that has a birthday, we get cards lined up. And uh, I'll take the birthday card, and, and these are children up through the sixth grade, and I'll go inside the birthday card, and on one side I'll normally, not always, but often I will draw a big kind of smiley face. And I'll do it with different colors, you know, red lips and a brown nose and green eyes and big ears and brown hair and all that. And, and, uh, and then I'll, I'll put a stick of gum in there, sugarless bubble gum, parents, so they're okay to chew the gum. But then almost, without exception, I'll sign my name on this side in different colors, but I will put a little caption there, simply this, God loves you. And, uh, you know, it's simple. And I don't know if kids like it or not. But uh, I give it to them. Some of them will tell me later, I sure appreciate you getting the gum. But you say, well, why, why, would you, why would you write that little, simple, almost trite little message? And every year, you know, just about every kid's probably going to get the same message. Now, teenagers, you get a little different. You don't get the gum either. <laughs> but there's a reason I do that, and that is simply this, that there are a lot of people that struggle with that little, simple truth. It's amazing. It's amazing how many people really struggle with that truth. And uh, perhaps we all, from time to time in our lives, have doubts about that, have feelings that come to us, have memories that come to us, and all kinds of things are conjured up in our mind and heart. And and, uh, we wonder, does God really love me? Do I really know what that means. And so much of our doubts can probably be traced to childhood. Maybe a way we were mistreated. Maybe some experiences. Maybe some things that people did and, and uh, so on. But it is so important that a child grows up and receives this message, gets it deep into their heart and mind that, that God loves them. In fact, so important was that that Jesus said one day, if you mess with a child's mind, if you detract from a child's mind, if you try to take the truth of God's word from a child's mind, if you would take from a child's mind, God loves them. Jesus put it this way, it would be better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and you drop to the bottom of the sea than to mess with a little mind. And oh, how children can be hurt. And the reason is our childhood goes with us the rest of our lives. It really does. I watched an interesting interview this past week of, on television. I think it was Nightline again. And they were interviewing a lady who was probably 35 years old or so who had come to the place in life that she weighed 670 pounds. That is a lot. And uh, her condition was getting so critical. Uh, the turning point in her life was this. Her mother was in the hospital and she was in very critical condition and She wanted to go see her mother. She was able to get to the car, whatever they took her to the hospital in, able to get to the hospital, able to get out on her little cart that would take her places. But she could not get into the hospital room of her mother. She was too big, everything, to get through the door to actually go in and see her mother who was in critical condition. And it was at that point that she said, I will lose weight or I will die trying. I will change. I will do something different. 
Now, she was not an ordinary overweight eater. She was more than a big size. By that, she had had said on the program, I was drinking two to three bottles of two-liter soda every day. Not diet, but regular soda. I was eating two or three Big Mac meals a day. I was eating not just chips, but bags of chips. And all these things she was doing, basically, almost all day long, she was eating. And I don't understand her husband because he was buying everything for her and getting it for her. And you would think he would have done something. But anyway, the counselor asked her, why are you doing that? Let's get to the bottom of this. Why are you eating so much? It's one thing to overeat and, and uh, be somewhat overeating, overweight, but you are this, and we've got to get to the bottom of this. What is it that we've got to really address here? And in tears, she replied, Well, I was molested as a child. I've been trying to cover that up. I've been running from it, and I don't like myself, and I feel so unloved. And the hurt is so deep that I guess I eat to run from it all. I feel so unloved. Now, that's an extreme case, I suppose, in what feeling unloved can do to one. But isn't there a host, a multitude of things that can happen in our lives that if we don't feel loved, can result in our lives. It's detrimental to our lives or keeps us from living to our full potential and all that God wants us to have. And many times, many times a person maybe doesn't feel loved by others, but it always comes back to the fact that they also would say, and I don't feel like God loves me. And I struggle with that in my life. Well, the four Sundays in February, we're going to take up that subject of love. And uh, every week it'll be on something. But the very first message is where I think we have to start with, do I believe God loves me? You have to start there. Because really you can't really love in other dimensions until you actually believe that and accept that and experience that. And it breaks up love in so many other areas of our lives. So we start with that today. Do I really believe God loves me? And, and for some of us, some of you, maybe that's going to be kind of an uncomfortable thing to think about, to really stop and think whether God loves you or not. Because sometimes I think we can become programmed to thinking that we are not loved by God, that maybe we are not a valuable piece of the world. That we come so short when we compare ourselves to others of coming up to what we think we ought to be. That it's just so hard for others to love us, for God to love us. So we're talking about something very, very real here. And perhaps we all struggle in this area in our lives at times. So let's read from God's Word now. Stand with me as we read these two verses out of 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. John writes, This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You may be seated. Well, let's look at some very important truths this morning from God's Word. Truths about whether He loves us or not. Truths that we simply and very humbly need to gratefully come to accept. The first one is this. 
God's love is a kind of love that holds nothing back. God, in other words, went to the greatest length possible in loving us. The greatest price he could possibly pay, he paid. John writes, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son. I cannot imagine the experience a parent goes through to get the call and pick up the the uh, phone piece. And on the other end, somebody say to you, I have kidnapped your child. And I am holding them for ransom. I don't think anybody here has experienced that. But I can't experience can't imagine what that would feel like to know that, that they are holding your child. And X number of dollars or whatever, they will keep them. And then, you know, going through that type of thing. I've got three children of my own. I've got a granddaughter. And I guess the thing to, to ask this morning is, how much would I give for a child, a granddaughter, being held ransom? My checking account? My Savings account? How about all of my retirement savings or all of my material possessions? Would I be willing to give all of those things for a kidnapped child if that was the only thing that would get them back? Well, you bet I would. Would I give up my home? Would I give up my job? Would I give up my position? Would I give up my reputation and what people think of me? And would I give up whatever? Well, the answer to all of those things would be, and I'm sure it would be the answer that you would give, is you would absolutely give every last thing about you to redeem that child. If that's all it, that it would take that, that would bring them back to this world. You would go penniless. Nothing could compare to the value you would pay for that. Well, you know what? You and I were kidnapped, weren't we? We were kidnapped by sin. We were sinners. We were spiritually lost and doomed. And the holy nature of God would not allow him to accept us. Is that unfair? Well, it's unfair if God would have left it that way. But God didn't leave it that way. He chose to provide uh, the very cure for our predicament. He looked upon us in pity and compassion and love and in mercy, and in tears, and in heartbreak. And God says, I will pay the ultimate price to get you free. It had to really be a big ransom price. I wonder if the stars and the planets would have been enough, as vast as they are. How about all of his, his handiwork in creation? What if God would have given up all of his angels? Would that have been enough? We don't know how many angels there are, but, you know, these are pure and holy beings. Would that be enough? Those heavenly servants, he went beyond everything, didn't he? God said, I will go penniless. I will give up my very own son to redeem you. You see, God's love holds nothing back when he redeemed us. And you and I need to push aside any false and untrue messages that would come into our minds when the devil tries to tell us you aren't worth loving, that you're too far gone. We need to put him on the truth with God's word and say, but I do know this, God paid for me. As unworthy as I might be, God proved his love for me 
God gave up his son for me. Bind that truth to your heart. Burn it into the hard drive of your mind. If you need a necklace or a bracelet or anything else to put on your body, do that. And I'm not really a tattoo guy. You know, I'm kind of straight, aren't I? Pretty straight. Forgive me for being so square. Forgive me for being so conforming. But if I were to get a tattoo, and I'm kind of thinking about this. No. I thought about, as I was preparing this sermon, what kind of tattoo would I really want on my body? And sorry, Cheryl, but it would be this. I think I would put a line or two of one of the songs we sang this morning. He loves me, he loves me, he loves me, this I know. Or, oh, I could sing of your love forever. I might even go this one, though. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. I think that's the tattoo I would want because that's the tattoo I would look at again and again and again. They would tell me, I am loved by God. I am valued by God. I can go on. I can live. I can be something. I think that's the tattoo I would go for. So watch out. You never know. Because you see, it's in my own life that I've discovered that when I nail down this truth, I can just about face anything. It's powerful. It comes from God's Word, and, and we stand on it. The second thing we find from this passage is that God's love is for everyone. John writes, He sent His one and only Son in the world that we might live through Him. So He is telling us here, there are no exclusions the lady on Nightline the other night who weighed 670 pounds and felt so unworthy and so unloved and had failed at everything, it's a message for her. It's a message to tell us that our sins cannot exhaust the limit of God's love and forgiveness. He paid for them all. There is no list. People kind of think of it this way, that they must be so good to be rewarded with God's love. I actually meet with people, I counsel with people that say, but, but God can't love me because I'm not as good as so-and-so. Or God can't love me because I just can't do things as good as somebody else. And uh, they think they, they have to arrive to a certain level, but you know what? There is absolutely nothing in God's Word anywhere that says to you and I, meet up to this certain list and God will reward you and God will love you. There is nothing in God's Word that says anything to that effect. God loves us and He will take the vilest sinner who comes to Him in repentance and forgive him or her and make them clean and make them His own. Here's the next thing. God's love is for everyone, which tells us that, that we need have no fears of God. God is not prejudiced. He doesn't hold grudges. He will not reject you. You don't have to fear Him turning you away when you go to Him in repentance. 
Because that's what John 3.16 is all about, isn't it? For God so loved the world that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Here's the third thing John brought up, and that is this. God's love is an, a totally undeserved love. In verse 10, he wrote, This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So you see, I think sometimes people get this mistaken notion that some people just more deserve God's love than other people. Some people just, they, they, they're just good people. They deserve God's love. I don't. You know, I've, for whatever reason. But again, it is an absolute falsehood because there is nothing in God's Word that talks about that. Absolutely nothing. In fact, if we would read Romans 3.23, the Bible says, There is no difference, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All. Isaiah 53 and verse uh, 5 says, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. All. All of us here. All of those out there. All of those who have lived have gone astray. And I think the devil uses this lie so many times. person says, I, I, but I don't deserve God's love. You know, look at so-and-so. They're, they're pretty good people. You know, they haven't messed things up too bad. And they've got all these things going about them and all these talents and all these things, and they're good people. And, and I know God is proud of those people. God must be very proud of them, and God can love them, but I'm so unworthy. You know what? It's a lie that comes right out of the pit of hell, doesn't it? That's where it comes from. We all only have one entrance to God. hate to disappoint some people. And that is we only have one entrance, and that is a door as we come as repentant sinners through the cross of Christ. One door only. You see, God doesn't have all these doors like on the price is right. He doesn't have door number one that says, now this door is the door you come to God through, and these are the good people. I mean... You can't hardly find anything in their life to fault them for. And there are really good people. I remember uh, one of my youth ministers, his wife, was sharing one day about some awful things she had done in her life. One of them was they'd gone to this fancy restaurant when she was a teenager, and she took home with her a spoon out of the restaurant, and she felt so bad. She's a pretty good person. You know, there's door number one, and she can go through that door. Those are good people. Door number two is those people that are, have been fairly good people in their lives. You know, a few little scuffs here and there, but they're pretty good people, and I can see how God loves them. They're door number two. And then door number three is those average people. They grow up basically good, but they, you know, they dawdle in some things they probably shouldn't have, but they straighten out real fast. So door number three is, you know, those people. Door number four, now those are the people that, Oh, they got into things they really shouldn't have. But, you know, they're not horrible people. They're not in, a, you know, places. They're not in jail or prison or they're not paying fines or whatever. But, boy, they, they should have done a little better. Door number five, those people are really barely squeaking in. 
God's got this little narrow slit over there and a few people that have really been bad come through that door. You know what? There's one door. You see what I'm trying to tell you this morning? The saint that you thought was a saint that only stole the spoon and the person that murdered or raped or whatever else you can think is just horrific, they all come through one door. The door of the cross, Christ. Only one door. We're all loved by Him. And it's amazing, isn't it, how God loves us all. And uh, so we come to that first question this morning. Do I really believe God loves me? That's the question you have to answer. It's in His Word. Do you believe it? Or are you fighting it? Jesus invites you, as we think of love this month, to experience a washing of His blood, of His love, over your whole being. Mind, soul, body, spirit. Claim it. Believe it. Accept it. Put your faith in Him. Would you bow your heads for just a moment this morning? I just wonder in these closing moments this morning, before we pray a benediction, if there's anybody with your heads bowed that would just slip a hand up and say, I struggle with this one. I struggle with this one. And many people do. And I need that. I want that washing of God's love over my being. I wonder, would there be any hands that would just slip up and, in answer to that and say, God, would you just do that for me? I see that hand. I see that hand. Any others? Would just lift a hand. I see that hand. Any other hands this morning? I see that hand. God bless you. I want us to pray a prayer in closing and you pray it with me. God, we sometimes struggle in our lives. And a lot of times it has to do with this thing of love. But I pray right now, Lord, that a washing of your blood, a washing of your love would come over us. Help us to realize, Lord, if there is sin, if we simply confess it to you right now, that your love covers it and you forgive and you cleanse. Help us right now, Lord, to just claim that very thing in our lives. Help us then, Lord, to, to go forward with kind of a new day, a new beginning. Putting our feet down and saying, I will trust in God's love. I will not let that go. I will bind it to my heart and my soul and to my mind. And I will commit to Christ. I will believe it. Help us, Lord, to, to do that right now.
And then help us to live day by day, Lord, in your word. Getting alone with you. Spending time with you. So that the message can come back again and again and again. And help us to go forward then, Lord, living this life in you. In your name we pray these things. Amen.